that you just do us a favor, attached to your bulletin is a communication card. Will you take that out right now and just fill it out completely? Rip it off. At the end of the service, just drop it in the offering bucket. It's a way for us to get to know you a little bit better, uh, be able to minister to you and any needs that you have. Also, if you're a guest immediately following the service, don't forget this, drop by the three tables in the back, one of the three, and there's a guest packet that we've prepared for you with lots of information about the church, a CD of the vision, uh, lots of literature that you can pick up so that you can learn more about what the Lord is doing here at People's Church. We're in a series called Dealing with Devastation, and the Lord has been using this series in a powerful way, and what what timing that we're in a series like this after this great tragedy to happen this week in America. My title today is Pain Killer. Pain Killer. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 16. We're going to pick up reading in verse number 33. John 16 and verse 33. I'm reading today out the Living Bible. The scripture says, this is Jesus speaking, I have told you all this so that you will have peace of heart and mind. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but cheer up for I have overcome the world. Friends, I want you to understand that on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. The fact is life is not all fun and games. There are times that life is hard. There are times life just stinks. There are times that you and I face some very devastating circumstances and situations. And one of the devastating things that we face in life is hurt and pain. And I know personally what it is know what it means to experience hurt and pain in life. Probably one of the most hurtful times in my life where I went through tremendous pain, through tremendous hurt. I'll I'll never forget, I was in high school, and my dad was gone from the house, and me, my brother, and my sister, we loaded down my mom's car. And I'll never forget my brother, older brother, younger sister, and my mom headed to New York, and my mom and dad got a divorce. And I stayed back. Um, we were all kind of like mama's kids. We were really close to our mom. But because I was upward in my high school career and wanted to get a scholarship, I stayed back. And I'll never forget how I felt. I'll never forget that first Christmas without my mom, my brother, and my sister. I'll never forget holding the pillow in my room all by myself, crying my eyes to sleep. I'll never forget the pain that I felt, the hurt that I felt. I'll never forget the isolation. I'll never forget feeling like my world was being ripped apart from me. So real to me even today when I think about how traumatic that was to lose my mom, brother, and sister, and they moved all the way to New York. I remember when my wife and I, we have just recently got married, and not too long after that, we, we had some friends that we just considered them dear, close friends that we loved and we cherished a relationship with them that we had. And I'll never forget this couple stabbed us in our back. They did us absolutely wrong. I was hurt over it. I cried over it. I, I was mad over it. I even called a couple of friends up and expressed my frustration to them, probably said some things I shouldn't have said in Jesus' name. But I was mad, and I was just angry, and I was venting, and I was upset. I was let down. I was disappointed. I was hurt. 
because these people stabbed us in our back. And friends, the real question today is not, have you ever experienced hurt and pain? Because in life, we all experience sorrow, pain, and hurt. The question I want us to answer and wrestle with today is how do you handle hurt and pain? How do you process hurt and pain? How do you deal with the hurt and pain that you go through in life? What I want to do is show you the five most common ways to handle hurt that don't work. I want to give you five remedies for hurt that absolutely do not work. And as we look at these five things that do not work, it's going to help us get a handle on what does work. What's the proper biblical way to handle hurt and pain in our lives? Point number one, you can follow along with me in your bulletin. There's a place for you to take notes and fill in the blanks. Point number one is this, the first remedy for hurt that does not work is don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Do, do not ignore your hurt. This is what I call the Clint Eastwood approach. It's the macho approach. It's the I'm tough approach. I'm just going to grin and bear it. I'll just pretend like there's nothing wrong. I'm just going to be tough. I'm going to ignore the hurt and the pain that I've experienced in life. And David said something very interesting that we can extract Many principles from in Psalms chapter 32 and verse number three, David said there was a time when I wouldn't admit what a sinner I was. And I want you to notice the end of this verse, but my dishonesty made me miserable and filled my days with frustration. David says when he didn't admit his condition, it made him miserable. It made his life more frustrated. Friends, what I, what you have to understand is this doesn't just take place with sin. But when you have things in your life, hurt and pain, and you're dishonest and you ignore it, you try to be monster and pretend like it's not there, you find yourself right where David was. You find yourself miserable. You find yourself that, that life is just frustrating. But for some reason, for some reason, people think that if they ignore the hurt, somehow it will just go away. And what you have to understand is denying your hurt never heals it. It only makes things worse. The fact is this, church. When you're hurting and you're in pain and you try to deny it, it just turns minor problems into major problems. Ignoring your hurt is never the proper way to deal with it. Friends and some of you today, you're, you're, you're ignoring your hurt because you've bought into this lie that time heals everything. You ever heard that statement, time heals everything? Just, just let some water grow under the bridge. Everything will be better. Just, just let some time go by and, and you'll be healed from the hurt and pain that you feel. But friends, understand when it comes to dealing with hurt and pain, time does not heal everything. Oftentimes, time just festers the problem. It only makes things worse. How many of you are like me? Every year except for this year, I waited to the last, I always wait to the last minute to get my taxes done. How many of you waited until this week, this past, to get your taxes done? How many of you waited? Come on. You quit lying to me. Amen. I know. <laughs> it's amazing how we just wait to the last minute. You know, like time's going to make everything better. Only thing you did to yourself waiting the last minute is you stressed out and you was worried. You had to wait that long line at the post office to mail your taxes off. 
Matter of fact, if you want to, some of you probably did. I've done it before. You, you waited to the last minute. You waited so long, you had to file for an extension. And even though you filed for extension, you still owe the government some money. And you can file for two extensions if you want to. Time won't heal the problem. You still owe the government some money. And you can let two years go by if you want and not pay the government. You're just going to go to jail. Time does not heal everything. And when you do what David did, you don't admit your sin, you don't admit your hurt, you don't admit your problem, you don't admit your failure, you don't admit your pain, you find yourself miserable, you find yourself frustrated with life. You cannot ignore your pain and your hurt. There's a second thing that I want us to see. Number two is don't run from it. Don't run from it. Look with me in Psalms chapter 55, verse number four. David said, my heart is in anguish within me. David was going through some turmoil in his heart. He was going through some tragedy and pain in his heart. He goes on to say, the terrors of death assail me. I mean, this is serious stuff, feeling the terrors of death assail me. Verse 5 says, fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. David was feeling devastated at this point in his life. His heart is in anguish and in turmoil. And notice what he said in verse 6. Oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. David said, listen, I'm going through so much adversity. I'm going through so much pain. I'm going through so much anguish. I just want to get wings like a dove and I just want to fly away from all of my problems and pain. Have you ever been there before? Where you said to yourself, I've got problems. I've got hurt. I've got pain. And I just want to run from it. I just want to go get some wings like a bird. And I want to fly away from this pain and go hide in the desert. You know, many people think this. If I can just run fast enough, I mean, just run fast enough away from my pain, I can run ahead of and escape it. I I can get away from my pain if I just run from it. But that never works. And, you know, you and I, we're experts. We're experts at trying to run from our pain. Can I tell you, in our society today, that's why so many people open the can of beer and open the bottle of wine and get drunk because they think they can drink their sorrows away. They think they can run from their pain and run from their hurt. That's why so many people turn to drugs and and get high. They think the high will help them deal with the pain and hurt of life and That's why some people overeat. They think they can just eat their pain away and eat their hurt away. They're they're trying to get wings like a dove, and they're trying to fly away. They're trying to to run from it. Some have an affair and think the thrill of the moment is going to heal the hurt and the pain. Some people try to soap opera opera it away. They just think soap operas is going to make things better. You know how it is. You watch the soap operas and say, man... My life's not as bad as yours, my Lord. And you know, you watch enough young and the lustless and all my headaches and as my stomach turns, your life looks pretty good compared to theirs. And you think if I can just run from it, if I can just cover it up, I just, I just want to fly away from my pain. And friends, understand that running away from your pain, running away from your hurt is never the answer. It never solves the problem. 
Running away from your hurt and pain is like going to the amusement park and riding the roller coasters. I, I like to ride roller coasters. Matter of fact, my wife and I, our favorite vacation up to this point in our life was before we had kids and we were married probably one or two years, we went to Disney World together and we had a blast. And Tiffany and I, we're, we're such opposites of each other. She she likes to kind of just kind of go with the flow, you know. I plan my life out a year in advance. I'll have my haircuts planned out a year. I mean, I got, to, I got things to do. I mean, I got, I got to get things done. And so I'm a planner, man. And she wants to get to Disney World and just kind of, so let's just have a good time and hold hands. I'm like, oh, no. We got to get in line, sugar. And I'm trying to, I'm running and beating. She's trying to keep up. Come on. And I'm thinking, I beat the ten of y'all. I beat all of y'all. And still have to wait two hours in line. It just makes me mad. Did all that running and did all that sprinting, broke a sweat, and still waited two hours in line to ride a roller coaster at Disney World. And you know what really frustrates me? Not only do you have to wait two hours to ride the ride, the ride only lasts 30 seconds. I mean, if I got to wait for two hours, make this thing last four minutes. I mean, that's a long wait in this hot sun. And this really gets to me. Now, this, this is my pet peeve about roller coasters. You wait two hours for a 30-second ride, and then the ride always drops you back off where you started. What's wrong with you crazy people? I mean, I want to ride some more rides. Drop me off on another side of the park. I don't got time to be waiting in another. Get me somewhere. Don't drop me back off where I started. And that's exactly how hurt and pain works. You try to run from it. Oh, you may have a 30-second thrill. You may get a high and get buzzed and get away from it for two or three hours. But let me tell you, when you run from your pain, it's just like the roller coaster. When the thrill's over, when the high is gone, you're right back where you started at. And you still got the hurt. And you still have the pain. You can't get wings like a dove and fly away. Running from your hurt is not the proper way to handle it. Point number three, there, there's a third remedy that we try to do to handle our hurt, but it does not work. Number three is this, don't hide it. Don't hide it. This person says, I, I'm not going to ignore it. That They say, I'm, I'm not going to run from it, but I'm just going to not, I'm not going to tell anybody else about it. I'm just going to wear a mask. I'm going to make everybody think that I'm okay on the outside, even though I'm hurting on the inside. And friends, we're, we're good at masquerading. We're good at pretending like everything's okay when it's not. We're, we're good at hiding our feelings. You know, somebody sees us and look like we're having a bad day and they say to us, are, are, are you angry? You, you look like you're angry. I'm not angry. Well, you look like, are, are you sure? Are you angry? I said I'm not angry. My Lord, you look like you're angry. I mean, we, 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 we're, we're good at trying to hide our true feelings. Some of you that are married, you know, you ask your spouse, you kind of get to know each other real well, and you know something's wrong, and so you kind of say, sweetie, is, is something wrong? No, nothing's wrong. Sweetie pie, honey buns. Are you sure there's nothing wrong? It sure looks like something's wrong. I said, rolling eyes, I said, nothing's wrong. Well, you're about to turn into the Incredible Hulk. I think there might be something wrong. But we are pros at trying to hide our feelings. 
We like to masquerade around and pretend like everything is okay. And here's a principle that you have to understand. Sharing your hurt and pain with other Christians is the beginning of healing. That's such an important statement. I'm going to say it again. Sharing your hurt and pain with other Christians is the beginning of healing. The scripture says in James chapter 5 and verse number 16 out the living Bible, it says, admit your faults, admit your sin, admit your problems, admit your hurt, admit your pain, admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Say, Pastor, what's the big deal about having another Christian pray for me? What's the big deal about having another believer lift me up in prayer? I mean, is that really that big of a deal? Absolutely, yes, because the Bible says the earnest prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman has great power and wonderful results. Friends, listen to me. People pray for you. They lift you up. Friends, you can receive healing. I want to encourage you to do something today. I want to encourage you to get involved in one of our community groups. Listen to me. Some of you today, you're hurting. You're in pain. And you need a small group of people that you can confess some things. So you don't want everybody knowing your business. But to have a good, close group of Christian friends that you can say, I'm struggling today. Pray for me today. And they can pray the prayer of faith. And they're righteous and they love God. And the scripture says, you can receive healing. You'll receive healing. There's power in in prayer. Listen to me. None of us are so spiritual that we don't need the body of Christ. And we don't need one another. Listen, you say, Pastor, aren't you pretty spiritual? You know the Bible and you read the Bible. Yeah, but I'm not exempt. I have our pastoral staff that I confess to and talk to. I go to a small group every Monday night at Barnes & Noble with some men in our church. He... One of the men that leads a small group, he comes on Saturday nights and leads our group. And I mean, that iron, sharpen iron. I see one, one of the men in the congregation right here in this noon service that comes to that group. And, man, we talk, we laugh, we have a great time. We say some things only that belong in our group, and we have a good time. And we always close that group out with, do you have any prayer requests? And there are times that I put out a prayer request because I need prayer. I'm dealing with something. And, friends, there's power in getting righteous men and righteous women to pray for you and agree in prayer with you. I tell you, there's nothing like getting in a small group where you can be ministered to. The scripture says this in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 2. The Bible says, share each other's troubles and problems. Share each other's burdens and so obey our Lord's command. If anyone, notice this, you say, I don't really need that, Pastor. If anyone thinks he is too great to stoop to this, he is fooling himself. He really is a nobody. Church, here's what you really have to grasp is God did not create you. He did not design you to carry all of your problems, all of your burdens, all your hurt, all your pain by yourself. You weren't created for that. Some of you today, you're you're worried. You're freaking out. You're stressed out. You feel like you can't manage a life and your problems and you're trying to do it all. That's your You're trying to do it all yourself. You're trying to carry all these problems and all these burdens and all this hurt and all these pain, all this pain. You're trying to carry it all by yourself. And God never created you to carry it all by yourself. One of the reasons he gave your church family is to help carry your burdens. 
You see, the church of Jesus Christ, God didn't just want us to be just a bunch of individual Christians, but he wanted us to be together, a body, the body of Christ, a, having a church family. You see, the church, twofold purpose. First of all, our primary purpose is to be salt and light to a lost and dying world. But second of all, we're here to minister one to another and meet each other's needs and, and minister and edify and build each other up in Christ. And friends, let me, let me tell you, the best way you'll be ministered to here at People's Church is by getting connected in a community group where people can care for you, meet your needs, pray with you. There's no way in our church, church of 15, 1600s and four and five different weekend services, there's no way that one person, eight or nine pastors, can meet the needs of a growing congregation. And that's why small groups are so vital for you to be ministered to and cared for and prayed for and loved. Please hear my heart today, church. There, there's not one person that should ever experience pain alone. There's not one person in this church that should ever go through trouble alone. There's not one person that should ever experience the death of a loved one alone. There's not, there's not a person in this place that should ever experience turmoil and adversity by themselves. You should be connected with your church family that can help carry your burdens and pray with you and minister to you and love you. And that's best done in the small group setting in our community groups. Church family, tonight at 6 p.m. is Community Group University. There are going to be lots of leaders here that are going to be leading community groups. Somebody, some of them already are. And it's going to be an opportunity for you to come and fellowship with some of your church family, meet some people, build some relationships, and get connected in a community group. I know what some of you are thinking, Pastor, I'm shy. I, I get real nervous around people. I'll help you. I'm not shy. And neither is my wife. You just stick close to me and I'll help you get to know some people so that you can get some of your burdens carried, so that you can get with a small group of people that you can confess your faults to, be prayed for, and be healed. That's what some of you need today. Point number four. Point number four. The, the fourth thing that I want you to notice is don't get bitter. Don't get bitter. There is one thing more powerful than your hurt, and that's letting your hurt turn into bitterness. Because bitterness is much, much worse than anything you'll ever hurt over. Friends, understand, if you become bitter, your bitterness just becomes a poison that will destroy your life. Bitterness, no matter how good it may feel, it always does more harm than good. And how many know sometimes it can feel good to be bitter? I'm mad and I'm resentful. I hate you. and I'm angry. and You kind of get some self-gratification because, man, you just hostile. But all you're doing is hurting yourself. All you're doing is damaging yourself. The person that you're bitter with, they're fine. You're not doing anything to them. You're damaging yourself. You're hurting yourself. Friends, here's the truth of the matter, is getting bitter will never change what happened to you. It already happened. It's over. It's dead. What they did to you, they already did it. It's, it's, it's in the past. And bitter, bitterness never changes the past. It just ruins the future. That's all it ever does. The Scripture says this in Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 15. Scripture says, look after each other 
so that not one of you will fail to find God's best blessings. Pastor, how do I experience God's best blessings? Pastor, what can stifle me from, from experiencing God's blessings? Notice what he says. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. We all go through hurt. We all go through pain. We all experience sorrow. Somehow, someway, we're all let down or stabbed in the back or done wrong. But the key is don't let bitterness take root among you. Because what happens, for as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. Friends, bitterness will keep you from experiencing God's best in your life. And friends, as long as you're focused on the blame, and being focused on the blame is simply focused on who hurt you, you can't fix the problem. You see, today you're either fixed on the blame or you're fixed on the problem. You're either focused on who hurt you or you're focused on getting everything resolved. Today, you're either getting better or you're getting bitter, one or the other. And friends, when you and I allow the hurt and the pain in our lives to turn to bitterness, it'll keep us from experiencing God's best. It'll destroy our quality of life. It'll keep us from experiencing God's best for our lives. It never does good. It always does harm. Point number five, the fifth thing that I want you to notice is don't give up. Don't give up. And some of you here, you have been carrying a hurt for a long time, for 30 years, 20 years, and you're thinking to yourself, what's the use? Pastor, why should I even try to get better? Pastor, listen to me, Pastor. If you only knew what I've been through, if you only knew how they hurt me, if you only knew how they molested me, how they raped me, how they abused me, how they neglected me, how they stabbed me in my back, if you only knew the pain that I've been through, you wouldn't be making it sound so easy. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know how the, 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 the divorce destroyed my life. You don't know how they ripped my life apart. You don't understand. Pastor, I'm hurting so bad I'm at the end of my rope. I'm hurting so bad I'm ready to throw in the towel. Some of you today, you feel like Humpty Dumpty. How many of you remember the Humpty Dumpty nursery rhyme? It goes like this, Humpty Dumpty. Had a great fall. Or Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Goes on to say, Humpty Dumpty, all the king's horses, all the king's men, they couldn't put Humpty back together again. He was shattered. And some of you feel just like that. You've fallen, you've hurt, your life is shattered in a million pieces. And you're saying, Pastor, nobody can put me back together again. I've tried counseling and nobody can put me back together again. I've talked to some friends, but nobody can put me back together again. There's not a king, a queen, there's not anybody smart enough to take the pieces of my life and to put me back together again. And friends, you're right. You are so right. There's not one person that can put you back together again. 
There's not one king, one queen, one president that can put you back together again. There's not a counselor smart enough to put you back together again. But there is one, and his name is Jesus, and he's the Son of God. And he was born through a virgin Mary. He lived a perfect and a sinless life. And he died on the cross of Calvary for my sin, your sin, my hurt, your hurt, my pain, your pain. He didn't, didn't just die, but he rose again on the third day with all power in his hands, and he can take your broken in pieces. He can take your life. He can take your shattered stuff and he can put it back together again. The scripture says in Psalms chapter 34 and verse number 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. You're here today and you're hurting. You're here today and you're in pain. You're here today and you're broken. I want you to know the Lord is close to you today. He wants to help you today. He wants to minister to you today. If you'll open your heart, he's near, he's close. He'll heal you today. The psalmist said in Psalms 147 and verse number 3, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Church, did you hear that? Our God heals the brokenhearted. He can take your mess. He can take the divorce the letdown. He can take the trauma of an abused childhood. He can take the rape, the molestation. He can take the pain. He can take daddy walking out on you. Mama neglected you. He can take all of it. And he can heal your broken heart. And he can bind up your wounds. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 and verse number 18, out the living Bible, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to announce that the captives shall be released and the blind shall see. Notice what Jesus said. God has appointed me. He has anointed me. And one of the things I'm anointed to do is to heal the broken heart. I want you to know that God can put your broken pieces back together again. There's a friend of mine who lives in Missouri. That's where my wife and I lived before we moved here. And he was not serving God at all, not living for God. He was actually my barber. And so once every two weeks, I had a counseling session. He'd cut my hair. He said, Preacher, I got to tell you some stuff. Well, just tell me, man. Just tell me. And he opened his life up to me. I preached to him all the time. Man, you need to get right with God. You need to give your life to Jesus. And we developed a very close friendship. And so when my wife and I, we moved here to start People's Church, he can continue, he continued to call me periodically, talk to me, and still wild and buck wild, living wild. And he called me several months ago. His life was devastated. His wife divorced him. He's lost custody of his daughter. It was a very nasty divorce, very vindictive very hurtful divorce. She tried to take him for all he was worth. He had several properties, 11, 12, 13, duplexes and apartments. Lost it all. Had a foul bankrupt. He called me several months ago. Said, Herbert, I'm depressed. I never felt this way before. He said, I can't even explain it to you. I just sit in my room all day the lights off. I feel like I can't move. I feel like I can't do anything. I don't even feel like a man anymore. I've lost everything. 
He was looking for answers with the women and alcohol. And he was hurting. He was devastated. His life was shattered in a million pieces. And though I knew the answer, he just couldn't quite see it. Life just wasn't fair. He called the church office this past week. He had lost my number and I was going to return his call the next day and he ended up sending an email to the church office. I got the email and he said, I gave my heart to Jesus. I thought he was lying. He just wanted me to call him back quick. You know, I gave my heart to Jesus, preacher. But I called my, my buddy up from Missouri. I talked to him about 30 minutes on the phone and he had given his heart to Christ. I sensed hope from him. I sensed like he had found answers. He said, Preacher, I'm praying every day for an hour and read my Bible for an hour every day. I'm getting up at five in the morning to seek God. And he had hope and purpose again. You know what happened to this guy? Jesus took his divorce and lost custody of his daughter and the bankruptcy and the, the pain and the depression and the hurt. And Jesus, peace by peace by peace, was putting his life back together again that's the God that we serve he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds I'm a living testimony from a hurt childhood things I haven't even told very many people about pain and letdown and sorrow and tragedy I should be a statistic today, but I'm a living witness. He heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds, and he'll do it for you today. Father, I love you. I thank you for your word.